0: Alright guys, One, two, three. here we go. Can I get a little motivation, a little energy? I want you to be excited with me. This is Juan Santos over at the Counselor's Journey and we are going to dive into another episode all about teaching you mental health professionals how to A, start, B, grow, C, scale a six-figure counseling private practice without, without feeling overwhelmed. Let's do it. Let's dive into the episode. To be or not to be. I think that's um, Shakespeare, right? Hopefully Shakespeare, otherwise I am butchering it. To be or not to be, right? To do this or to do that. To go left or to go right. To take insurance or to go private pay. You guys knew it. At some point, I think at some point every clinician faces that question, right? Faces that like huge stop sign. And it's like, what <laughs> What the hell am I going to do? Am I gonna? Am I, gonna you know, I, I really don't want to take insurance, well, maybe I got to take insurance. You know, I got to take insurance to be able to pay the bills. I want to be, be able to pay the bills because I want a roof over my head. I want food on the table. I want a vacation. I want to be able to do things in life. So I guess I got to take this insurance, don't I? And then, you, and then you hear about some other person across town or in a whole different city. And they're like, no, you don't need to take insurance. You can do private pay. And you can put a, a successful practice doing it. And then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> that sounds really, really good. Now, is that feasible? You know, can I do that? So what we're going to do today is I'm going to break down for you kind of these key differences, you know, understanding maybe why people go in one direction versus why people go in the other direction. At the end of the episode, I want you to walk away with some key nuggets. I want you to be able to feel comfortable with taking whether you want to just, you know, have that hybrid model of private pay, um, meaning cash-based where you're not taking insurance, um, you're out of network for insurance plans, or you're in network. And again, it's up to you. I'm going to hit on some nuggets here, really key points that are going to allow you to ha- have a foundation, have a grounding where you feel stable and moving your practice, w- whichever direction that this conversation is going to ground you in. So at the end, some of you are going to say, hey, I'm going to continue taking insurance um, while maybe some, some people are listening right now, you're just getting into your private practice journey and you're still dabbling with the idea. So, I hope that this is supportive, educational, and then most importantly, I hope that it reduces a lot of that stress that comes with this big, really important question which direction do I go? And so, let's let's dive in. You know, I think one of the key things that we we really want to talk about when it comes to to taking insurance versus private pay is the amount of paperwork, right? The time that goes into it. So, let's just kind of do an example of a case study here, right? I'm your client and I go see you, and I am not using insurance. Right, that would mean that you would see me and I would fill out your typical documents, right? your intake, your consent, and so forth. And then I would pay you some money for that session. Let's say, let's say I pay you $100 for that session. That's the exchange there. At most, I may ask you for a receipt of that payment. Um, I may have an HSA, a uh, health savings uh, account, um, where I want to use that money towards it. Um, I may want to apply that session towards my out of network benefits, which is, you know, really simple to do. Um, as a clinician, we're able to do that. It's, it's, what, it's what's called a super bill. As a side note, check out the YouTube channel for Counselor's Journey Private Practice. You're able to see a whole video all about super bill. There's a template on there that you can use. Um, it's, it's 100% yours uh, so that you're able to use it in your private practice. Now, kind of going back, you know, with that private pay process, right? That's pretty clear you got your typical intake documents that you're doing at private pay, just like you would do with insurance base. The the biggest difference is that you have just one simple exchange, right? You have the exchange of here's $100 and then there's the service. And then again, there may be that secondary document, which is that super bill. Just keeping it real as a receipt. It's a receipt with a couple of more details on there. Um, but it is nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, come on guys, you went through graduate school. you've written papers that are 10 plus pages. Some of your doctors out there, you've written um, dissertations. you know you've you you've done a lot more than what goes into this super bill that I think sometimes we get really nervous about. At the end of the day is a receipt with a couple of more variables on there. Um, and again, check out the YouTube channel that way you have that with you and then you know we're not sweating bullets over it. So let's kind of go back now, you know, and we're looking at someone with insurance, right? Someone with insurance, they're working with a patient and they are doing all of those same documents, but the big curveball comes in on that transaction of monies, right? So number one, I'm going to break this down for you just to keep it really simple. Number one is, you know, identifying if that client coming in has some sort of mental health coverage. And unless you've got like a really big structured office where you're able to, Schedule your client. Review prior to their first appointment their um, benefits so that when they come in, you know exactly what their copayment is. You know maybe it's twenty dollars or their co-insurance or their deductible. You know if you have that backing, awesome. But if you don't, I think it's important to set up some sort of structure. And and the reason is so that you don't find yourself, you know, three or four sessions deep and you're like, shit, I have no idea what this person knows. And then you're kind of waiting until the insurance uh, uh, personnel that claim that you submitted comes back in. So let's go back a little bit. You know, I don't want to run through this. I want want us to walk and, and, and we're hanging out here. So your patient's coming in and you're doing that first session in there. You're going to be taking a lot more information. Of course, you're going to be taking in diagnosis because we know that when we're building insurance, there has to be a diagnosis. Not my rule, right? This is this is where we exit graduate school. We go from that provider mode to entrepreneur, and and we write and we agree to a contract with uh, the health insurance company, whether it is an EAP employment assistance program or you know one of your typical uh, insurance companies like Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? We sign that contract, and on that contract, there's a lot of details. One of those details is that, you know, to have that reimbursement, we have to have paperwork turned in. Part of the, that paperwork is that diagnosis. So then you're doing that first session. And uh, I know, right, it's wild. It's, it's, it's a really wild thing to think about because in graduate school, we'll kind of stop here for a moment. You know, we are taught to make sure you take some time, do your due diligence, you know, do your work before providing a diagnosis. And then, you know, we work with insurance companies and they're like, hey, if you want to get paid. Let me see the diagnosis, man, <laughs> ASAP, right? So it's like, wh- like how, how, how do these two worlds merge, right? And then we as the clinicians come out of that merge. So, you know, what I really want to share there is just make sure you do your due diligence, you know, take your time, whatever time that you need before sending that off. So if it's a couple of days, you know, if it's <clears throat> hours upon hours so that you're doing your research, referencing your DSM-5 and so forth, maybe throw in some inventories just to make sure that you feel grounded on whatever diagnosis that you're using. So that's going to be part of the information, that the claim that you're going to send off to the insurance company. So the patient comes in and their Blue Cross with Shield, you're going to work with them and then you know that there's going to be that additional work. They may pay you a us say it's $20. It doesn't end there. Right, if it's private pay, it ends just at that payment, unless they want that super bill. Again, just a receipt. With insurance, you know they're coming in, they're paying maybe some small fee, such as a copayment, uh, and then from there, you are sending the claim off to their insurance company, and then that claim goes to the insurance company. There's going to be a lot of details on there in that form, um, all the way from uh, their. Uh, demographics to the diagnosis to the date of service to the place of service and what's really nice now is we have a lot of these clearinghouses uh, and again clearinghouses are these ehr systems such so as like simple practice i use them love them um, i'm not a sponsor for them not yet fingers crossed hopefully one day they they come out and say juan yes we're ready to do a sponsorship for you so i'll keep my fingers crossed for that um have my have my um and my daughter will give me a good a good luck bracelet. She's been she's been into those lately, making tons and tons of bracelets. And then you know, as as daddy, I gotta make sure that I always rock them. Otherwise she'll give me that look. I don't want that look. So kinda of going back, you know, going back into the credentialing process. Nope, not the credentialing process, going back into submitting a claim. I'm getting a little lost here, aren't I? We we then wait for that claim to come back. Which can be a little bit annoying because let's just say that you're working with Bob and Bob comes in on a Monday, and Bob is a severe case, right? So you want to see Bob maybe again that same week or again next week. Well, you, you also want you also want to think as a clinician how does that impact you know that payment? If you send the claim off, how soon can you have an update of what that coverage is? And you can have external resources. You know, within my office we have someone that as soon as they're doing the session they're calling ASAP to get that information in. You can also have documentation and in your intakes, and then in, in the intake you have details on finances, where it goes into your financial policy. The financial policy can spell out that you know the patient is responsible for any amount owed, um, that you know you have to wait for that claim. Um, and you can also communicate that with, with, with your patients when they come in sharing with them that, you know, let's just say you don't um, receive an update from the insurance until two weeks later, but you've already completed two or three sessions with them. You can put that in, in your policy. It's just very black and white that they're still responsible for that amount. The reason I'm sharing it here is because there's some people that can create um, somewhat, of a, somewhat of a worry or stress to know that they've done or they will do two or, two or three sessions with a patient. And maybe the patient hasn't paid anything other than what their insurance card, right? The physical card on there says $20 for mental health specialists. So then the clinicians taking the $20 and they're thinking that, you know, it's all good. That at the end of the day, insurance is going to come back and, you know, kick back uh, the, the rest of the amount for that um, in, in their coverage, But then you know something may happen and some of you listening may kind of know where I'm going to go here. You know, sometimes that amount on that card is not the accurate amount. So it's where it's important for us as clinicians to make sure that we tap into that entrepreneur mindset and really spell out all of our policies on our documents so that patient knows about it and then again educate them on the process because insurance you know navigating it it can be difficult from both ends Um, sometimes patients come in and they're like i have no idea so then they're kind of putting you in that position where you know they're hoping that you have some idea as far as creating uh, education uh, and explanation on the services that they're receiving so so far let's kind of take a break there what i'm sharing with you here is that you know, when you're navigating insurance and you're wanting to take it, there's going to be more due diligence that you're going to have to do compared to private pay as far as paperwork is concerned, as far as reaching out. So man hours, if you will. And, and there's ways around this. Right. You know, old school before practices uh, systems like simple practice, uh, it would be filling out, you know, your 1500 forms. I think CMS forms, I believe they're called. Um, But basically, you know, you would just be filling them out, which takes a lot of time. Now you're able to go into systems like simple practice and just with a click of a button, it could send that claim over to the insurance company. And then before you know, it, you have an update. So hopefully that cools (laughs) some of those bullets that were sweating there. Um, Something else, too, is you can always uh, hire out. Now you could reach out for, uh, you could reach out to different professionals in the field that engage in uh, customer service. Maybe they're able to reach out to your insurance company, uh, and they can handle claims on behalf of the practice. Uh, or you can have someone answering the phone. Your intake coordinator uh, could take insurance information, of course, with the consent of the patient, and then reach out and, and gather as much details as they can, so that prior to that first session, you have an update. And this is what's what's nice. You know, it's uh, I think. Way back in the day, when it came to the question of taking insurance or private pay, I think a lot of people really were jumping on the bandwagon if I want to do private pay because it's, it's easier and there's not that much work you know to do there when it comes with that process. There's a lot of work to do there, but you know here we're talking about just a comparison between the, the process of receiving that payment back, communicating with your insurance agents. So with taking insurance, it's a little more work there, right? Now, compared to then, there's a lot of resources available. You know, you can hire a VA, you, you can hire different individuals, you can utilize systems like uh, Simple Practice to take care of some of that legwork so that you don't find yourself, you know, overwhelmed. I'll tell you from my end... <laughs> I, I am very thankful um, that I married my wife. You know, uh, I was scouting for somebody in the field who had a, a medical background and, and, and worked with billing, and there she was. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I think this, I think it's pretty interesting that you know um, somehow in in her journey of career um, she found herself working for a large hospital here where she managed individuals and she worked closely with with billing. Um, and, and understanding healthcare, uh, as well as receiving a public health education, uh, over at UNCG. So it was really, it was really nice to have that early on. I know a lot of the clinicians that I do consultation for, they really get into that topic of, you know, how do I navigate the insurance? How do I hire the right person? Because it's important for us to make sure that we're navigating effectively. I think if you can though, if you're able to have your ducks in a row, do your due diligence, you know, um, outsource to someone that can communicate on your behalf, then you can go either way and it'll be a smooth ride. Now let's go into another point here when it comes to uh, taking insurance. I think it's important for us to look at our target client. And this is not a you know end all be all. This is not all, all in one category. Uh, and, I, and I use an example here. So my sister, Diane, she's on the autism spectrum. And since she was little, since she was like, I think three years old, I want to say, um, my mom shared with me that, you know, she, did, she went ahead and she and, and she did the, or they did their due diligence. Um, so they hooked up with the Autism Society. Um, she was on Medicaid and, and she was receiving services. Um, and, and as a child growing up, you know, we always had workers in the house. Um, you know, really strong advocates, you know, people who are there supporting and, and growing with us and laughing with us and, and sometimes sometimes going through some of the really uh, tough uh, challenges up ahead. And, you know, as a clinician now, I kind of think about, um, you know, if I wanted to specialize uh, in, in working with individuals on the autism spectrum, you know, may, maybe one of the thoughts that I could have would be, you know, would those individuals more than likely, if we roll the dice, be on insurance? right so they if they would be on insurance right, and here we're just playing with statistics and hypothetical, right, and I share the case personal case of my sister right so as a clinician, you're able to kind of take a step back and look at your target audience and then make an educated decision on not not focus on serving from the clinical end but more focus on the entrepreneur side, right because those are those are very different, so then from the entrepreneur side, you're able to look at okay. If I take the private pay route, you know, taking no insurance, you know, would serving that population put me, let's say, at a disadvantage? And it's a question that, you know, you would have to survey your audience. You have to survey your community. You know, go if there's an autism society in your community. We kind of use this an example. Here's a case study. You know, maybe reach out to them and ask that question. Are the majority of the individuals that reach out to your society um, or members of your society, are they on in insurance? Or, you know, they usually private pay, reach out to psychiatrists in the area, reach out to other providers that support that population and ask that very question. And then you're going to get some feedback. You know, they may say, yeah, 99% of the individuals that we work with as a psychiatrist, um, um, they are on insurance. They're on this insurance. And then reach out to the rest of the um, professionals that would support your target audience, and then you're going to have some really nice data. So from there, you can make an, uh, an entrepreneur-like educated decision on what to do next, as far as take insurance or not take insurance. And you know, in this case study that we developed, you know, just hypothetical, of course, it will lead us to say, hey, more than likely, um, the entrepreneur side was will push towards let's take insurance because taking insur- insurance would um, put us at a positive, if you will, of being able to serve the clients that we want to serve while acknowledging that the clients that we want to serve have blank insurance. Hopefully, all that, all that made sense. And if you notice there, I, I did start with my target audience, but then I took a large step back and I connected that to my community. And then I looked within my community, w- what are they using? You know, do, I, do I live in a community where my target audience is using insurance? Not using insurance. And then I even added to that by connecting to who serves my target audience. Psychiatrists that specialize with my target audience. Other professionals in the field that specialize with my target audience. And then I will take time and do my due diligence and then reach out to them. The last um, couple of last points I want to mention here when it comes to taking insurance um, is the expectations that come with insurance. So of course, with insurance, you are signing a contract. And with that contract, there is some, some regulations there, if you will, um, as far as how you carry out your services and the reimbursement you receive. So the biggest the biggest difference between that and private pay is private pay, you get to decide, uh, I wanna do an hour session, I wanna do a two hour session. I wanna charge 100, I wanna charge $5, I wanna charge $200. That's up to you, my friends. Of course, you know, we do got to connect that again to the community and making sure that your community, you know, connects with that and has that in line. Um, now, the, the other route, right, with insurance and, and with EAP, employment assistance programs, often those right away in the contract or they, they do, I'm sorry, right away in the contract share with you exactly what that what that reimbursable amount is going to be. So that from there, I think I think it's really in a like two type, um, two steps we want to take. One is we want to sit on that. You know, we want to be able to say, okay, what would I charge if it was just me out here? And of course, take time to identify what you would charge with some mathematics. You know, look at how much you want to make at the end of the year. Look at what your expenses are for your business. How much you want to pay yourself out of your business so that your personal life is going okay. Um, you know, again, make sure that you're okay so that you can show up for those that you know you're serving in the most effective and proficient manner. Once you have that magic number, whatever it is that you need to earn, let's say a hundred dollars an hour, then you know you're looking at your insurance uh, companies that, you, that you're um, thinking about working with, and then you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, uh, oh, it looks like they want to pay me eighty dollars an hour. So then you know, start doing some math. Think about how many patients you would need to see at eighty to get to that end of your number you want to get to, versus how many patients you need to do at your other f- uh, fee, let's say a hundred private pay and then how many um uh, persons a week you need to see or a month to get to that magic number that you want to earn a year to make sure that you know you're living the life that you want to live. So again, a lot a lot of these questions they really do connect to you. It connects to how you want to, you know, function within your private practice versus, you know, jumping into private practice and then copying somebody else or mirroring what other people are doing. You know, this is your journey, my friends. You know, live it up. R- really, I-, I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy it. If you fall, fall. Sit there for a little bit. You know, brush your shoulders off like Jay-Z says. <laughs> and then, you know, get back up and-, and keep pushing forward. But with the question of do I take insurance or do I take private pay, um, I think sometimes we, there, we, we see fear, you know, with that question. We see worry. Um, often we hesitate on which direction to go to. It all connects to, you know, what you want to do and how you want to carry forward. I hope that you found this episode helpful. I do. Um, again, if you wanted some help on the super bill, go check out the YouTube channel, Counselor's Journey. Um, there's lots of videos on there. Everything from SEO, search engine optimization, to you know, utilizing paid versus organic uh, for building your private practice and more. If you need support one-on-one, hit me up. Let me know. I would love to work with you. Whether you're building a solo practice, you're just getting your feet wet, or you're ready to level up level up for some people means that they want to build a group practice or they want to tap into like courses or books all those things you could do and more i'd love to ride with you you know be be there, be there with you in your journey take care as always continue to do what you do and thank you for showing up every day and serving those that we serve As you head out today, guys, I want you to give yourself a big old hug, a big old high five, because listen, you're doing it. You're taking time out of your day to build your six-figure private practice. You are tapping into ambition. You're tapping into curiosity, and you're doing it here together. We're holding hands. We're walking on this journey, a private practice journey. Before you head off, do me a kindness. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know which episode really stuck out to you. Which one made you go yes, I need to start doing a little bit more of that, or yes, I am doing that, and I'm proud of myself for doing that. I am seeing amazing changes. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to growing together on our journey.